to the Circuit Clouds podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball, purveyors of fine fake baseball since 2003. We are here today to talk about the 1985 season preview, and we have with us LA Outlaws GM Peter Vase. Hello, Peter. Hey, good night, everyone. And the former GM of the Chicago Colts, now with Havana Leones, Lance Mueller, joining us from beautiful Northern California. Hello, everybody. St. Louis GM Glenn Ree, joining us from beautiful Northern California. Yo, yo, yo. We both don't have to be from Northern California, Glenn. Yeah. Well, Lance is Northerner. Okay, so let's just get the show on the road. So we're going to, we've decided to do this as we did last year, which is a 16 to 1 countdown of the, based on the, the game's ratings. And then at the end, we will talk about uh, some of our playoff picks um, and make our World Series predictions. So without further ado, let's start with number 16, the Denver 14ers. This is a team that was um, kind of in that three-way scramble, that melee for last place in the Pacific. Um, and I'll speak for myself. This is my team. is very much a rebuild in progress. I've been trading away some, some of my valued players to try to build up prospects and draft picks in the future. Uh, and it's no surprise. It's no secret that I'm looking at the 1986 draft as hopefully something that can uh, build us in 87 and 88. So Glenn, take it away with, uh, with Denver. I think Denver's biggest issue is you have the worst pitching staff, the worst. Yeah. So you have the worst pitching staff in total, but in particular, or, or by a fairly wide margin, you have the worst starting pitchers. So that's bad under any circumstance, but it's particularly bad when you play an extreme offensive park. So, um, and when you add everything up, you finish it with the lowest total. So, <clears throat> so you do have a lot of guys that I, that I like a lot. And, and I, you know, I've scouted your team a little bit and we talked about some trades, but, but a lot of your guys all play the same position. So you have a lot of like good corner outfielders, but, um, and Tony Fernandez is, is good at shortstop. But as you say, it's just not a, it's not a complete team. And even though as I would say the lineup is getting there or you can see where the lineup's going to be effective in future years. Um, as I say, the starters are like, are, are quite poor. And then the bullpen isn't that good either. I mean, one, cause one idea I had was, you know, you could try your lineup is good. So you can score mash and then try and close out the games that you're ahead, but your bullpen also isn't super hot. So I, I don't see, Oh, and sorry, one more thing. And you have like, once again, you start the year with like J.R. Richard on the injured list. I feel like that happens every single year. So, so if you add injuries to an already thin staff, it um, it doesn't it doesn't look good. Yeah, I mean, I, I had this team at the the bottom of the division. I think the most interesting thing to watch is George Bell, Fernandez, and McGee, just to see if they're the cornerstones of the rebuild, or you know, some of the guys in the minors that are looking really good become the cornerstones. But other than that, I, I didn't see much going on in the majors for this year. But the minors looks really good. You know, one of Tim's favorite things to do, just build an incredible minor league team. Get as many AAA championships as you can under your belt. Um, now, yeah, I mean, literally, I'm flying by the seat of my pants, but I have to agree with uh, everything here. I'm, like, looking at the pitching staff, and I was like, oh, there's a bunch of guys, pitchers who were hurt. Maybe when those guys come back, the pitching, the starting pitcher will look better, but uh, not, not really. I mean, JR, maybe JR will help some to some degree, but, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty ugly-looking pitching staff, but I can see the wheels – turning to sort of build towards 
uh, the future with this team. And, and uh, that pitching staff is probably going to need to be torn down as well um, in the near future. But yeah, I can see why they ended up at the, why Denver ended up at the number 16 spot. I can't really disagree with it either. Um, one thing I will note is, you know, in the game, that pipeline prospect thing, the top two picks I, I took this year, Bill Swift and this Joe Johnson guy who I've never heard of, they both show up as um, entering the major leagues this year. So that'll be interesting if, if that actually happens, then, you know, we might see some, and, and those guys will probably immediately replace like um, Mac, McAnally and um, Montefusco, you know, the two old guys that are always injured or J.R. Richard, right? So, so there's hope there that we'll at least get some, some young pitching uh, to start developing. Plus, you start with Coleman in the minors. I mean, he, he's a arguably legitimate major league outfielder or will be shortly. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, this, I'm looking at the my Phoenix lineup. It's, I've got Vince Coleman, Kevin Mitchell, Ron Hassey, Greg Gagne, Danny Tarbell. <laughs> this, I, I think this team might be like an inner squad game. I think Phoenix might beat Denver, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. But yeah, clearly building for the future. And, you know, I've made some questionable trades, but I've been trying to get younger, trying to get... Uh, stockpile on prospects and just hope that a few of them pan out. So that's Denver. So let's move on. Next on the list is Brooklyn, uh, which the game has at number 15. And this is, this is a playoff team last year, right? So the game has them dropping quite a bit, but this is also a team that Glenn had rated pretty lowly last year. Um, So Glenn, why don't you tell us where you had Brooklyn and you know, how you think they'll do this year? Well, that's right. So Brooklyn, by my system, scores very poorly every single year. Again, I, I posted last year's scores and I looked at the prior year's scores. I don't think I have Brooklyn in the top half, like in any of the last four, four or five rating counts I did, even though he's made the playoffs every single year. So so because there's that, so systematically what I'm doing or or conversely what he's doing, what he's doing or what I'm doing, somehow they, they don't work. So um or there's like there's clearly a glitch there. Now you're telling me that the game seems to agree with me, right? At least the preseason prediction seems to agree with the ratings. That, that's but what it's like. <clears throat> but as I said, though, I mean, I I think I had him in the same place last year, and he, he ended up making the playoffs. So, so the thing that I do, like the, the the omission, is that he doesn't rely on power. He relies on contact, and he plays in a stadium which is extreme contact. It's like 110 or 115 percent. I don't. Uh, contact so and it suppresses home runs massively so his lineup is like perfectly tailored to his park but by my ratings it sucks because he's totally mentioned you know he's missing one dimension right he has no power at all so i grade him down but obviously what he's his his lineup is perfectly suited to where he plays and i think that's how he outperforms his ratings every year having said that um, his pitching total is pitching total. Oh, sorry. I was actually looking at the lineup total. Yeah, his pitching total is not bad. It's in the bottom half, but it's not bad. His bullpen is, is a Sambito, right? Who his ratings wise, Sambito does not look like the best closers in the league because now there's like so many guys that add to 22, 23, 24. Sambito plugs along with the same 21 he's always been, but I mean, you know, he saves 25 games. He's saved 26 games or more for the last five seasons. So, and the guys made the playoffs or whatever for the last five seasons. So, so whatever he's doing, it's working. 
um, even though you know it doesn't work by my metrics. But I mean, but he's doing the same thing he's always done. Um, contact wise, he's quite good. Defensively, maybe he's not great. Maybe there you grade him down there a little bit. Um, he has like you know guys that are like six and seven up the middle instead of in past years. You know, he had guys like Stearns, who's like a ten behind the plate. So. So from my point of view, if I could argue that he's going to now finally perform down to his ratings, it would be maybe because his defense is also kind of, you know, moving down the curve. He does have one Samuel on the bench. I mean, I think he played Samuel like the last couple of years. He's a nine at shortstop. So, so maybe he can make an easy upgrade there. But yeah, my ratings don't like him. So. I mean, and that's, yeah, his, his shortstop is Tom Foley. I think, wasn't he Speaker of the House? Like, I mean, that guy is really, really old. I think so. He's quite old. Yeah, yeah. I had Brooklyn last in the division too, but, uh, you know, as said before, we underrate them every single year. Uh, I believe they lost Mike Schmidt, who used to be their only power hitter and also good defensively. So I don't know if that will finally catch up with them. So as Glenn said, I also noticed there's zero power on the entire team. So it all relies on lots of singles and doubles, which it served them well in the past, but it was always nice to have Mike Schmidt hit a home run here and there. And a pitching staff, Sanderson is still amazing. And then the rest of the guys, rating wise aren't that bad, but none of them are all that proven. A couple of them are like up and down and some just don't have a lot of major league experience. So it'll be interesting. I think again, they could be a team that wins 90 and they could be a team that wins 72. Or 71, whatever the game has them at, because rating wise, they don't look great, um, but they always overperform. So we'll see. They're part of my rebuild plan. I have their first pick next year. So I'm trying to put my my money where my mouth is. I picked Shut them last. up, dude. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, I'm really hoping they're oh as bad as the ratings. Dude, oh my God. Dude, I'm now all of a sudden I'm the biggest Brooklyn fan. I pray my ratings are wrong, dude. Oh my God. You could end up with the first pick, bro. Can you imagine? You have the best team and the first pick. Come on. Well, Den- right. Denver is going to be the first pick. Yeah, I don't know that Brooklyn's yeah. going to be the first pick. I don't even know if they'll be the first two or three picks. But yeah, I mean, I've all, I think I'm one of the few people who've always sort of tried to back them a little bit. I've sort of talked them up as a possibility of being a playoff team, and they've proven me right a couple of times. Uh, in the past, but I do, I think, you know, Pete makes a good point of, of Mike Schmidt being gone. Also, you know, we had that sort of situation where we had a lot of, um, you know, sort of the, the upgrade downgrade sort of thing, you know, voodoo that happened in the off season. And one of the guys that got hit was Tommy Herr, who's been really reliable over the last several seasons. And he, he's gone, gotten several hits uh, in that situation. And so I don't know that he's going to be as productive as he was in the past. And he's been a very reliable hitter in this offense. Um, yeah. It's just not quite the same team it had been in the past. Uh, the, 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 you know, pitching seems decent uh, enough. And the, again, you know, as Glenn pointed out, this is a team that's all about, you know, putting the ball in play, not necessarily hitting it out of the ballpark and hoping for, you know, multiple hits uh, in a row. But I don't know that they're going to be able to rely on that so much this season to be able to push them into the playoffs. Although I don't also think that they're the 16th ranked team in the league either. Um, but, you know, they're definitely, I don't, I don't see them being, the playoffs this year as I've, I've talked them up in the past it's being a playoff potential team i don't think that's happening this season 
they are rated as the third uh, best farm system, but the only looks like the only players who are like ready to come up are um, well, Julio Franco. He's got Julio Franco on the bench right now, um, but he's kind of stuck behind Tom Her unless he plays him, uh, you know, at that third base or shortstop or something. Um, and he's got Mike Greenwell, but he's a couple of years out, and then Mickey Tettleton. So he's got some power uh, uh, in the farm system, but. Um, but yeah, I think losing Schmidt was was a big hit. And this is a team that, so they, they won 85 last year. They've won basically 80 to 85, like six years in a row or something. Um, but their offense did tail off a bit last year from fourth to eighth. Um, so somehow they, they managed to win a few more games um, despite their offense dropping off and their pitching was pretty much average. Um, and I want to say their pitching's getting a, little, a bit older. Headland was out the whole year with an injury, the number two starter. So that's a bit of a worry. And then Brit, he's got Britt Burns penciled in as his number three starter. So it, maybe he has a little less uh, starting pitching depth than he's had in the past. But um, again, I always find it hard to believe that Brooklyn's going to finish, you know, much lower than mid table because they just, they're just consistently, um, good but not great and i don't think that they've lost that much that they're going to suddenly drop to 15th in the league all right let's move on the game has is number 14 on the spectacularly weak pacific division the seattle rainiers so uh this is a team that was taken over by um our old friend doug ayton and he, he was he had a very active um off-season shuffling pieces around and seemed to um uh, make some improvements, but the game says, no, nah, this team's still on, on the, on the rebuild or still has some work to do. And he does have three rookies in his starting lineup and, and his number two starter is a rookie. So, um, definitely a rebuild, but he's also got some older pieces. Well, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned that. I, I really thought actually he's made a lot of moves, a lot of trades. I felt like, Oh, he's really upgraded the team. He signed Mike Schmidt as a free agent. But it, either in that big massacre or just from old age, Schmidt got downgraded. So that all of a sudden that move doesn't look as good. But one thing he has done, I mean, he, he definitely, well, I mean, it's funny to say, I was going to say he, he put some effort in upgrading the defense. But even after upgrading his defense, he's still in the bottom half in terms of gloves. But, you know, Schmidt's a gold glove third baseman. He's adding Harold Reynolds, you know, before he had Molitor. This is a Molitor can hit, but he's a very poor defensive player. So you got Harold Reynolds at the top of the lineup, who's who's going to be serviceable offensively, but he's much better def defensively than Molitor. He drafted Ozzie Gann, threw him straight in. He's an eight at shortstop. So, so I, I felt like, man, he's upgraded the team like everywhere, but his total still still isn't very good. So, so maybe that tells you how bad they were last year that you can upgrade like a bunch of positions and still be you know in the bottom. Uh, yeah, he's, he's four, fourth from bottom by my count. Um, and where else? Let's see, where does he look particularly poor? Oh, another issue that he has? I, okay, here you go. The issue that he's going to have a hard time with, even though, um, you know, we talk about Denver and Atlanta being the most offensive parks, Seattle actually is a very offensive park. And his pitching isn't great. His starters are just serviceable. His bullpen is quite poor, I would say. And in fact, his starter, so back to his starters, he has Jim Barr as a starter. Jim Barr's ratings are good. They've always been good. 
But if you look at his stat total, when he starts, he's atrocious. He just does not have the pitches to start. He's never succeeded as a, as a starter. And so if you have Jim Barr in your rotation, you're, you know, you're in trouble. Let's just put it that way. So, so like I say, I really like the things he's done. I think he's upgraded all over the place. Upshaw, Willie Upshaw, I think got upgraded. Now he looks amazing. There's a guy that I had traded like a dummy. So, so I think there's a lot of things to like about the team. Uh, Shelby looks good in center. I mean, there's just there's a lot of things he's done. That's really good work, but he's just coming from such a deficit. Even after you upgrade everywhere, he still ends up, you know, whatever third bottom. Yeah. Three of his four uh, up the middle position, shortstop, second baseman, catcher are all rookies. He's got Gino Petrelli, catcher, Harold Reynolds and Ozzy Gann. So that'll be interesting to see almost an all rookie. And then the guy who's in center is, uh, you know, ancient Fred, 32 year old Fred Lynn. Don't call 32 agent because when we get to my team, it's like, hack my team. <laughs> um, so I had him second in the division, which, look, isn't saying much because we have Denver last and then San Fran's in the, in the same division. Um, but I like their offseason. I mean, the, the lineup really doesn't look bad. And uh, Glenn said it's almost about half our rookies are second-year players. So depending on how the upgrade-downgrade game comes, this team could be good pretty soon or – if there's some key downgrades and they're back to rebuilding and then they've got some pieces in the minors guys that, you know, might come up, you know, before we know it, Scott uh, Geralt, who's a decent, looks like he could be a decent starter. Um, you've got John Dobson helped the pen a little. I mean, it's, you know, Paul O'Neill is a few years away, Stan Javier a few years away. Uh, but I think the team looks pretty good on the offense side and defense side. The pitching is, uh, definitely questionable. So I think they'll still struggle, but in, in the, the division, I think they'll come in second. Yeah, I concur with everything has been said. I mean, it's you look at this pitching, and then as, as Glenn pointed out, it's such an offensive ballpark. It's like you're gonna get you're gonna get mashed in that ballpark, and that's gonna account for a lot of losses. Where if you had a slightly better pitching staff, you probably would be more competitive. And I have to agree. Also, I think the offense is starting to build in the right direction. You got somebody like John Shelby, who was like the super prospect a couple of years ago, sort of finally coming into his own and being able to actually be put to the lineup, you know, and, and even Harold Reynolds, who got drafted last year, the year before, finally sort of rounding into form. So like the offensive side of the team, other than the old guys, you know, the Schmitz and the Freddie Lins, um, those guys are probably have to be replaced sooner rather than later. The offense is definitely rounding into being a decent offense. It's just like I don't think it's enough offense to make up for what seems to be a pretty atrocious, atrocious, atrocious pitching staff that uh, that's gonna yeah definitely force this team to the bottom third of the league for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at Harold Reynolds. I just saw that he was the 37th overall pick, um, whatever year that was. Let's see. In 83, so a couple of years ago, I find that incredible that he dropped to 37. Um, but um, yeah, he, he's looking like he's he's ready. He'll be a top a top half second baseman. A um, couple of the players he lost though, Ken Griffey. I know Griffey's getting a little old, but he was still you know a very solid hitter, good on base guy. Um, he, he lost Griffey, I think, to free agency, and then he traded away Wayne Simpson. Simpson was one of his better starters for the last couple of years. But again, I think he was um, aging as well. So it, part of the rebuild is, is probably just getting getting a bit younger. Um, but yeah, it's this is a team that dropped from 
84 wins to 67 last year. They just had a horrible year. Uh, the pitching in particular dropped from fourth to 15th. So, um, yeah, I don't, I think it's not surprising that, um, you know, even picking them to be kind of middle of the pack or just below average is going to be an improvement for this team that since they were 15th overall last year. And this seems like one of those fluke one year dips that we see some occasionally, because this does not look like, you know, like one of your perennial, um, bottom of the bottom of the standings type teams all right let's move on to where are we number 13 the boston federals so dude boston i mean so okay this is one where you can kind of see in a way the flaw of my system and then i i tried to correct for that a little bit if you if you just add boston's totals they don't look terrible but how i tried to correct for that was putting emphasis on spine defense because that sort of cancels out or um, yeah, I think you have to, you have to cancel out some of their pitching advantage, right. By spine defense. And if you look at last year, again, I posted last year's thing in the chat, they, they had, they were the absolute worst defensive team by ratings. They were nowhere near the worst team, nowhere near, but they were by far the worst defensive team this year. Again, by my ratings count at different positions, they're not bad. <laughs> they, they have things I like, right? I, Tim Tuffle actually is quite a good second baseman in this league. Ken Phelps is a mashing, mashing. It's exactly my kind of guy, like two walks and a dog. I mean, there's like so, they had Kirby Puckett they've called up. He's a nine contact center fielder. I mean, there's so many things in a way to like about the team. Slot is a catcher with eight contact. That's awesome. Awesome but their defense is so bad, so bad still. I just, it's hard for me to see them, you know, really doing anything, even with, you know, they have Clemens, they have Beard. Beard is now, I mean, talking about the one that got away, Vase, right? I mean, he's the best pitcher in the league now. And so, but, but even then, I mean, you're, you can't, you can't strike out enough guys. Let's put it that way. You can't strike out enough guys to overcome like, you know, eight statues, you know, on the park. So, so like I say, I don't, you know, ratings wise, they're not horrible and there are plenty of things to like, but the defense is so atrocious and the rest of the staff, once you get past Clemens and Beard is not great, or, you know, is, or isn't even, isn't good. And so for that reason, I, I think that's why you see the game, you know, mark them down so significantly. And I think they're fifth, actually, fifth from bottom by my count. So, again, I, don't, I guess my ratings, even though I was trying to make them sound good, the, the fact, again, that the defense just brings them down here. I would agree on the defense. I think the offense is actually really good. Um, I was surprised to see Sal Bando is still rated as highly as he is. He's 41 years old. I let that dude go at 35 thinking he was on the way down. Dude, he rates. He rates, yeah. He's so good. He's still good. His ratings are still good. He still plays. He's good. Um, in terms of pitching, yeah, I mean, Clemens and Beard are a great one, too. And then Candiotti is actually pretty good. I mean, he's almost up to, he's at 20 now, and he's, his full potential is like 21. And it's a second or third year pitching. So they may have a, a good one, two, three. But I, I agree with Glenn. You can't strike out enough guys to make up for poor defense. And this is one of those teams that I wonder if they just traded their second baseman in shortstop and just got two guys that can't hit but are like eight or nine in defense 
if that would just want them into contention because that's really all they need at this point is defense. I think they got three three pitchers. I'd love to have it as top three in Beard, Clemens, Candiotti, and I think their offense could run with most offenses in the league outside of like Detroit and St. Louis. Yeah, this feels like a team that could be like a Jekyll and Hyde team that could be bottom six or top six, depending on, I think, a lot uh, how the, the, the pitching performs just like again we mentioned Clemens and Beard and as Pete mentioned you know, Tom Candiotti I think he's starting to round into form and then you got someone like Bruce Keeson who like you know two years ago won 20 games last year I think like won seven so it's like well, which which Keeson shows up you know I mean Rick Roden's like I mean I think he could slot he could find somebody better to be in that number five slot but yeah it's 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 an, it's an interesting team but yeah I mean if you if you can't catch the ball then it's going to make it real hard to, to win to win enough games to to be competitive, um, unless you just like hit a thousand home runs, which I don't think this team is going to do. So, you know, they got a chance to be competitive, but I, I they're certainly I don't know that they're whatever bottom five, but they're certainly not too much better than that. Um, and unless they can figure out a way as as Pete said, you know, get some guys to play some defense up the middle and then, you know, maybe you, you, you win some more games just by the sheer fact that you uh, catch a few more balls and don't make as many errors. But, yeah, you know, it's going to be another tough season probably for Boston, but I don't think not nearly as bad as last season. Yeah, and they jumped from, I mean, they were pretty bad. In 83, they were dead last. They were 14th out of 14 with 54 and 102. They, so they improved 15 games. Last year, but they were, you know, that's still, they were still 69 and 93 and they ranked third from bottom in offense. I don't see that happening again this year. It seems like they've got, um, you know, a, a lot of offensive, uh, a lot of offensive pieces. If just looking at their lineup though, they have a lot of home run hitters, Phelps, Carmelo Martinez, Sal Bando, but uh, a lot of those batting averages are very low, uh, you know, so maybe it's a case of, not getting enough guys on base and a lot, you know, a good portion of those home runs are probably uh, solo shots. And then they end up losing by, you know, one run or something like that. Also interesting to note, Roger Clemens, as good as he was a 3.280 ERA and a plus five plus war, he actually had a losing record. He was 14 and 15. So um, I don't see that happening again. That, that just seems like kind of a fluke season for him. All right. So let's move on to the next team on our list, which is San Francisco at number 12. So it's kind of similar, actually, to um, we talked about Seattle. So San Francisco is somewhat similar. <clears throat> Jeff has made a lot of moves. You know, he, he traded for Strawberry. He signed Soderholm to play third base. He's made upgrades. He's trying to upgrade. His, he finished last in scoring last year, right? So he's trying to upgrade his offense. And this is kind of consistent. If you think about his teams in the past, he had guys like Lee May, George Foster, guy he would draft or acquire like you know a young guy and then just keep him for their entire career so strawberry is 22 or 23 that seems to fit that type of mold if you look at his minors right he has glenn davis like a mashing first baseman so i think you know his inclination is to sort of build these you know power or go with these you know power guys that he can build his team around but right now he doesn't have a lot of those and and his lineup, I mean, Strawberry is like a legitimate player. Aguayo is the uh, shortstop, I think, is a legitimate, you know, poker for shortstop. 
Barry Foot is a good, you know, great defensive catcher, but I think almost every other position, he has like one of the worst guys in the league at his position. So as a result, his lineup is among, let me see, I think I got his lineup is the worst. His lineup is the worst and his pitchers are among the worst. So what's interesting about Jeff's team though, is if you, if you just look at his minor league, his minor league team as Jose Rijo. Yes, his, yes, his minor league team, Jose Rijo, Jose Kendall, uh, Mitch Webster. And like I already mentioned, Glenn Davis. I mean, yeah, those four guys could all be playing in the majors or will, I would almost say will probably, I mean, let's just be honest probably what he's doing is keeping them down in the minors for like whatever it is the first month or first six weeks and then call them up. So you don't lose a year. Right. So then, and then call them up. And then, uh, so I assume those guys will be in his team because Akendo is a really good second baseman. And I'd love to see Rob Deere paired up with Daryl Strawberry. And that's, it's going to be a scary team in like two, three years, but right now they've got all the holes Glenn just pointed out. Yeah, terrible OBP, um, not very good pitching. I mean, you got Charlie Hudson, his fifth starter, who's lost 29 games in the last two seasons. This may be an attempt to uh, find himself in the, you know, the bottom, the bot at the very bottom and get a shot at, you know, Greg Maddox or somebody else next, you know, in the next draft. Okay, so let's move on up the list. We are to number 11, Toronto. This is a team that missed the playoffs by actually a tiebreaker game. Tied for sixth overall, lost the tiebreaker to Brooklyn. Almost the first expansion team to, to make the playoffs. I just want to note here before we get started, they've added Rennie Stinnett, second base, Mookie Wilson in center field, John Mayberry at first base, and catcher Carlton Fisk. And they've lost Cecil Cooper. I have them the top half. So they're in the top half in both pitching. Uh, yeah, pitching and their, their lineup did make it in the top half. And that, that was his focus, right? Because I think they finished ninth or 10th last year and runs scored. And if you talk to the doc, he basically says like, look, dude, we just had a power outage. We couldn't score. And that's what kept us out of the playoffs. So, so like you say, Stinnett, Fisk, Mookie, they added Mayberry, who's a good all around player, but, but he's replacing you know, Cecil Cooper. So I'm not sure you know, that's an upgrade that, but, but yeah, I mean, he turned over whatever three or, you know, four of his, yeah, it's half his lineup. Right. So, so he's trying to score more. His lineup does right in the top half, as I say, um, with respect to the team totals, he's ninth. So, you know, in a league where six teams are going to make the playoffs being in ninth definitely gives you a shot. His one clear, clear advantage is the top of his rotation, you know, I mean, other than the Boston, you know, Beard, Beard Gooden, he has, or sorry, uh, Beard Clemens, that he has Gooden and, and uh, Robinson, Soto, Black. I mean, his, yeah, his rotation is quite good. And of course he has Gooden, who, who may be the best pitcher, if not Beard. So can he make the playoffs? I think he's going to, he's going to be in that scrum for sure. So um, I think he's going to be in that scrum, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Oh, oh, sorry. And he has Halecki. I knew I was forgetting something. He has a really good pitcher that's right now injured. He's going to miss like the first month. But when Halecki comes back, that gives him another 21 or 22 raid start or so. That, so there's another. So he's got a boost coming, right? So, so I told you he's in the top half in both. Well, now he's going to swap out his worst starter and add a 21 or 22 rated guy. So, so yeah, he'll, he'll, he should be competitive this year, sure. I mean, you look at the top three's pitchers, Gooden, uh, Cape Man, Don Robinson, and Mario Soto. 
And all three of those were plus five war pitchers last year. The only other team that can boast that is, is LA. So their starting pitching is definitely quite dominant. And they ranked fifth last year, and there's a chance they could even improve on that this year. I had them dropping a little bit. Soto last year had a five war. Prior to that, I think it was Tyus was like two points something. So he had a coming out party, and I don't know if that's going to continue. And Joe Lefevre, 5.7 war after he had a minus 1.2 with my team. I mean, with no upgrades, I, I don't know. I'm not sure either of those guys perform at the same level again. I mean, otherwise, what you guys said is true. I mean, the, the top two in the pitching rotation are great with Robinson and Gooden. The offense is okay, but I mean, you know, you've got Carlton Fisk hitting number four. That's never a great sign. And like I said, Joe, I don't think it's going to be a top tier third baseman again. So I think the offense lacks a little bit. The defense is some parts are good, but then you have like Steve Sachs playing shortstop, who may be the worst rated defensive shortstop starting in the league today. So I think, I don't know, I see him coming kind of back down into the middle of the pack. So very good pieces. We have our uh, worst cleanup hitter in the league alert. Since you mentioned Carlton Fisk, he was a decent hitter at one point. 24 home runs back in 1982, but he hit eight in 83 and he had only two home runs last year. So, and on top of that, only a 167 average. So I think Carlton Fisk um, far and away is the worst cleanup hitter in the league. Yeah, I think no doubt about that. I think I, I have to agree with Pete. I think this, I feel like this team sort of overperformed last year. And I think, I mean, having Fisk hit fourth, having, yeah, Joe Lefebvre, like just, hit out of out of his mind last year i don't think he's going to do the same thing like mayberry kind of seems like he can maybe get on base but it's not a very good hitter uh and you get running sinet which is great you get a nine at second base with him and you again moving steve Sachs to shortstop where he's going to be terrible i think is going to cost you games and yeah i just i feel like there is a boost with Haliki coming in and being able to join the rotation but i i do think this is a sort of coming back down to earth kind of year as well where there they'll be more middle of the pack i mean you know uh, maybe within an arm's reach of being able to be the sixth playoff team but i think it's going to be a little more of a down-to-earth situation for toronto this year um yeah that's that's how i've seen it for 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 the polar bears I think a lot's going to come down to the bottom of the rotation. Right now he's got Chris Chris Welsh and Burt Blylevin as fourth and fifth. And, you know, if, if those guys pitch well, then – and his pitching does move up above fifth, say in the top three, then I think, you know, all bets are off. He could, he could probably get to the playoffs even with a kind of an average offense. But, um, you know, there's a lot of – there's some big ifs. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're going to – they'll be up – around 500 but probably not quite in in a playoff race when it comes down to the last few weeks and Halicki is good by ratings i mean i signed a guy i think he's a good fifth starter for lifetime he's 43 and 72 with a 1.3 war after almost almost a thousand innings under his belt in 1.3 gooden's going to put that up in the first two weeks so I wouldn't put that much stock into him. He could be the surprise pitcher of the year, but he's 33 and he's never been anything but a, a decent backup when your fourth or fifth starter goes down. 
Uh, number 10 on our list is Cleveland. This is a team that was in the playoff hunt for much of the year last year. And then they had that epic collapse. I think it was in August that they never quite recovered from. Uh, the game has them uh, finishing 10th overall, right around 77 and 85, sort of just on the, just on the outside of, of uh, the playoff, playoff contention. Um, and this is a team that last year was third in pitching and 13th in offense. So um, pretty much more the same this year in terms of that offense. Speaking of his rotation, he has obviously used his amazing movement, serviceable. Leonard got an upgrade, so Leonard looks quite good now. So this is like one of the better rotations that Charlie has fielded in some time. But he does have Eddie Solomon in the starting role, and I must say Eddie Solomon is like, He's been the bane of my existence for like multiple years with multiple teams now. So relying on that guy as your four starters, maybe dubious. He actually had a decent yeah. season with Denver last year. He was eight and seven and his whip was 1.21, which is like one of his best. <laughs> yeah, best, like his best ever. Ever. And it, <laughs> yeah. you know, you apply the Denver conversion there and that's like a 0. 0.75 whip. So that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I had him for St. Louis. So the two prior years I had him in St. Louis, ERA 4.9 and 5.7. Anyway, I don't know what I was doing wrong. So maybe it's user error, right? Maybe he'll, he'll be amazing with Charlie because Charlie has the best defensive team, right? He has, he has the best gloves by a mile. So, so maybe in that park with great gloves behind him, Eddie will crush. But but anyway, it didn't work for me. It, it, like you said, it's classic Charlie. It's not, I feel like we said this exactly last year. He has the oldest team. He has the worst farm. He has no draft picks, but he has the best gloves, the most contact, and he's just trying to make it work. And I, I really, I feel like he can get there this year. Let me see why I have him. But it's going to be close again. I mean, there's nothing easy about it. He's eighth by my uh, ratings totals. So eighth best team. So, six so right, right up there, teams. right right in the, right in yep. the hunt. Yep. Yep, exactly. His lineup is third bottom, so it's the same old story. No, not, you know, he's just, uh, yeah, he's going to have problems scoring, I think. So quick question. He's got um, Bill Sharp. So he obviously has Dave Collins, who's a great uh, center fielder, or uh, he's a seven, and he's at, yep. at 10 and left. He's got Bill Sharp at in center field he's a five one three how much of a yep. liability is that yeah i mean if you're i mean if you're asking me like so he has gene Kleins on the bench Kleins is a six one eight so that's a 15 rated guy who's an eight in left field so that's you know 23 out of uh you know 40 possible maybe that doesn't sound great but that's a massive upgrade over over sharp so yeah to me you put if you need to score, right, you, you, you move Collins into center and, and you play Klein's. I mean, that, that does seem like a way to get instant offense. I mean, it is Cleveland. They do need to score, right? That's, that's yeah. been there. Well, he signed Cusick. Sorry. I don't want to, he signed mm-hmm. Cusick. So he went for the, so he, he's really added some eye. He, he added Cusick. He added Klein's that we just discussed. So maybe he'll put Klein's in. So he is trying to add eye, right. And, and get more walks and improve his OBP. Cause I think every year we say, Oh, he's got, you know, guys with nine, 10 steals, but he can never get on base. Well, he, he did try to address that. So he deserves credit for that. Yeah. And in fairness, Parrish had a huge drop off last year. He dropped from 301 to 221. He dropped 80 points. So, um, you know, you got to think his war went from 6.4 to 1.6. So you think if like, if Parrish just hit like five more home runs and hit maybe 250 instead of 220, like that might've been enough to put Cleveland over the top last year. 
it'll be interesting to see if Parrish bounces back. He's, he's only 27, so he's, but he's not old by any means. I had him last in the division, but I think close to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the defense, there's really nothing more to say about that. I think a lot of the offense falls on Parrish. And as you said last year, he had an off year. I'm sure he'll be back. I'm just not sure the rest of the offense is good enough. Uh, the pitching after Goose is questionable. It's mostly older guys with histories of injuries. Um, so I don't know if those are the five that are going to finish the season. And there isn't a lot of depth. Right. As, as we've said before, Charlie's been trading his picks away, so he's not really building depth. It's all win now. And I don't know if this team can win now. Um, but, you know, defense has surprised us a number of times. I've seen a lot of teams get much further with defense than I thought they could. Yeah. And you mentioned Ruthven. He had a, a an incredible break. Well, I don't even call it a breakout year, almost a fluke year. Um, 17 wins after that's almost as many wins as he had like the last four years combined um 2.54 he was just out of his mind last year so it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, maintain that his ratings are still really good at 687 um so i think that's a a big wild card if, if ruth can, can stay as hot as he was last year and if dennis leonard actually has developed then this is a team that was already third in pitching last year so again you just add a few more runs move them up from say 13th to 10th in scoring and they're right there in the playoff hunt. Yeah. But you're relying on the, your three, four, five pitchers. If you look at them, Leonard Solomon and Hooten are all um, injury prone at wrecked. They're all wrecked. So you got to imagine at least one of those guys is going to go down, if not more than one of them. And as Pete pointed out, there's basically little to no starting pitching depth on this team, which means that if one of those guys goes down and, and Charlie's in the mix, he's going to have to trade something away to get a starting pitcher, which means probably taking a dent uh, into the offense. So, I mean, he's skating a really thin line here because he has no – you know, he has no prospects. He doesn't really have any way to fill in that rotation. So like he's rolling the dice on everybody staying healthy and everybody performing, which rarely ever happens for any team in this league. So yeah, I, I see, you know, the possibility of, of some, some, some bad things happening to that pitching staff, unfortunately. That sounds very, very, very ominous. What do you have yeah, in yeah. mind? What exactly well, you know, are you talking about? Listen, let me, you know, if you come to Havana, you're in international waters. You don't know what's going to happen to you. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. true so it's interesting you mentioned Bert Hooten I was looking at so you know I did the preview and I, I just put the word minors right if they were in the minors last year this guy has been in the minors 81 82 83 84 he has not thrown a major league pitch in five years so that's going to be super interesting he was on St. Louis in 1980 uh, he had a 6.72 ERA and then you know he's been basically condemned to the minors and the low minors at that he was in double double a uh, until last year. So um, it's going to be super interesting to see what happens, you know, to a guy who's been in the minors for four years and then finally gets a call up. But in his defense, he was 14 and two at, at Memphis last year, AAA, 14 and two, 1.35. So he finally got his stuff together. And, you know, who knows, maybe he's ready made it for the majors again. Okay, let's move on. Um, we are up to number nine, which is. Havana, Lance, why don't you start with Havana? And, I, and I'll say that Havana and Atlanta are rated ninth and eighth, so that it's pretty close. Um, and this is probably a good time to say that it looks like this is the first Gulf Division team that we've mentioned. So by ratings, you know, we're talking about four out of the top nine being in the Gulf Division. So um, 
this is arguably the most um, the most competitive division. So Lance, why don't you get started with with Havana? Well, I mean, as as is always the case with me, I'm sort of tried to sort of upgrade around the edges. You know, I didn't um, necessarily you know, just based on the cap or limitations and everything else. I couldn't really go out and get do to be too crazy and try to get too many pieces. But I mean, I feel like um, everything on this team got slightly better in the offseason. I think the rotation is slightly better. I think McCaskill came out of the draft. He's going to go right to the rotation. I really is a rookie, but I mean, he had a strong spring training. I think he's actually a pretty decent pitcher. He's a 10th, 10th rated prospect. Um, so I think the, the, I think the starting pitching is at the same level or, or a little bit better than it was last year. And I think we were basically league average. I think we were eighth last year. Um, I think the pen got a little bit deeper by being able to get some guys and move them into the rotation. I think I was able to make the pen be a little bit stronger and a little bit deeper than it was last year. We went out and got, you know, we, the two big things that we tried to, I mean, two big pieces we picked up in the offseason. And we got Weiniger in the trade with Denver. And then we got Griffey um, out of free agency. And the whole point there was to try to get, some guys just better OBP. I mean, it was like, I, I don't know how this team was like the 14th or 15th ranked offense last year. I mean, obviously Sixto went down for a big chunk of time. There were some other guys who were injured um, for a chunk of time last year, but it just didn't make any sense to me that this team just was not scoring runs. But one of the things was like, it did not have very good on base percentage guys. So like I wanted to at least try to get a couple of guys that I could add to the mix with, you know, with Doran and Pendleton and these other guys to try and get more guys on base. So when if Sixto is healthy and is in the lineup and does his thing, there's more guys on base. Same with Chambliss, who unfortunately is injured at the beginning of the season. Um, but I mean, I think the sort of in all aspects of the team, I think we got better, except for maybe on defense, which, you know, trading away Mookie and having to start uh, Bostock, who's also hurt at the beginning of the season in center field. And so it'll be Larry Herndon right now. So it's the defensive wise, sort of a lateral move from Mookie Wilson for the time being. But I mean, I think the team overall um, is a better team. I don't know that they're a playoff team, but I think they're, you know, if it's 85 wins, 86 wins to be the number six playoff team, I think the team has a shot. I think it's all going to come down to, how well the perform, how well the offense can perform this season in comparison to last year, which was I, I just was like taken aback at how poorly they performed offensively last year. So, you know, I'm getting my fingers crossed, but I'm also trying to shoot for the future. And that was the deal to get, Sid, you know, Sid Fernandez. Like I'm looking at this, you know, if it doesn't pan out soon, hopefully it'll pan out soon, soon-ish. You know, with a, a rotation in the future that could be Langston and McCaskill and Sid Fernandez and uh, Jose Guzman you know, and then pick a fifth guy and put him in there. So, you know, it was both a little bit of play for now and also play for the future, which, which is what I was trying to do for uh, this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to echo some of Lance's sentiments. It was a bit shocking that the, the offense was that bad, but I, I do absolutely. I mean, like OBP to me is like, you know, the one stat, right? Whip or OBP, however you want to look at it. And when you add... Weiniger, if he's healthy, the dude is he is OBP. Same thing for Griffey, right? So the reason why these guys are available is because they're not perfect, right? They they do get injured, but when they play, they're OBP hounds. The other thing about your team, I think it's important to recognize is if you, if you look at like the ratings totals, I, I have Havana 
um, in the top half. And so, so this after your moves, after your moves, I have Havana in the top half of both lineup and defense. But but that's not including Chambliss, right? If you add Chambliss, you are fifth instead of eighth. So so that moves you up like three places in the stack. I mean that that's real, right? So if Chambliss can get healthy and if he can play, that's another you know that's another quality guy. So I think your offense will undoubtedly be better. What's a little bit surprising to me for a Lance team is that your pitching is not as good as I, I guess, expected or thought. I mean, I see some of these guys have been downgraded, like Storm Davis. I remember him being like a, a good spec, a good prospect at one point, but he's, he's you know, not so hot now. So, so where I see Havana's weakness, at least by ratings here in the bottom five of pitching. But, but again, if you take bottom five pitching, but top half lineup, top half defense, I have you tied with Toronto for ninth. So once again, and, and as I, I think I've said elsewhere, I think every single team in our division is going to be 500 or better. So I think you're definitely in it, but um, you're going to need some guys to basically, basically the question is probably like how many innings can Griffey play? How many innings can Weininger and Chambliss and Sixto play? You know, and, and if, and if it's a lot, if the answer is they play, you know, 120 or maybe 140 games each, if they all play 140 games. I think you make the playoffs, bro. Yeah, it's, that's always the big gift with guys who are wrecked, right? It's just whether or not they stay on the field or not. And obviously with the channels coming out of spring training being hurt, it's obviously, you know, it doesn't help at the beginning of the season, but, you know, we'll see what happens. So similar to Cleveland's pitching where there's, you know, razor thin line, not a lot of depth. I'm looking at your, like if Weiniger goes down, it looks like Dave Engel is your, is your backup and he's um, not a great, um, base guy and then um, if uh, Griffey goes down you have Carmelo Castillo obviously you probably have some other options but um, um, as of now look, just looking at the depth chart oh you have Andre Dawson too but he's he's not he's a shadow of himself so um, so I would say those two those two things obviously Weiniger and Griffey's health is the key thing and also I just noticed that Seaver you have your your number one starting pitcher is 39 years old. So he's been pretty reliable. He's been super durable, but uh, you know, he's rated as an iron man, but he's still 39. So he might be in his ERA has been kind of ticking up in recent years. So uh, that's another wild card as well. If, if Seaver can stay effective. I think this team is going to come down to the injury piece. As everyone said, the lineup looks good when it's the starting lineup that Lance imagined. So it's just a matter of how many games are they going to play together. Um, and I think the other biggest problem here is St. Louis, St. Louis and Washington, I think are just still better teams. So that I think that's that's going to be the uphill climb is how do you get into the playoffs when potentially you're you're slotted to finish third in the in the division, even if you have a decent year. Um, but the injury, the injury piece is the piece that I think is going to be key to whether you're fighting for a playoff spot with St. Louis and, and Washington, or you finish somewhere with 75 to 85 wins and end up third or fourth. Yeah, and not even St. Louis and Washington, but also Atlanta, which brings us to our number, eight, Atlanta. Our number eight ranked team. Uh, this is a team that was, I think last year, was pegged to be one of the uh, contenders and they had a lot of injury issues, um, but the game has them coming in at 80 and 82. So, which I think is pretty much exactly where they were last year. 
Atlanta is interesting. Because, so I think you guys are right on. I think our division is so good. It's disgusting. And, and just as I said about Havana, I feel like this team is definitely 500. They're better than 500. But whether or not they can make the playoffs, I don't know. But I think they're in it just as I think Havana's in it. But what's interesting, the contrast with Atlanta or with Havana is interesting because we just said Havana has is going to struggle with the starters, but their lineup and their defense are top half. Well, what's interesting is Atlanta is the opposite. Atlanta's pitching is top half. I have number two. They you know their their rating just by ratings total. They're the number two staff. And again, I'm counting five starters and two relievers. Their bullpen is frigging amazing. So <laughs> he's got guys, you know, how I didn't, or I counted how actually, yeah, how's out for two weeks, but I count how he adds that 23. He's got Guante 22, McDowell 21, Willie Hernandez 21. He's got like guys like further down. They're just good. So, I mean, his, his bullpen's amazing. He did get wrecked though by that big, you know, whatever you want to call it, the ratings earthquake. Mike Scott went from maybe one of the best starters in the league to, you know, a marginal starter or maybe a, a, a maybe a, a solid starter. But I mean, but that hurts. Like there's no team that you can lose. You know, you're one of your best starters. But but still, every starter he has does add to 20. So I think you can't just you know disregard that. Oh, except for Scott, like I said, who got knocked down. But Fernando. Fernando is now up to 22 and he still has some room for improvement. So, you know, look, the guy has a legitimate ace, solid staff and an amazing bullpen. So if he can score, that then it's kind of more like the old timey Atlanta where you're just going to mash and then you bring in the bullpen to just shut the game down, right? Like take the lead, the bullpen holds the lead, even if your starters aren't great. So, so, like I say, I think he's going to be competitive. I think his outfield, he might have the best outfield. Certainly Tony Gwynn, Eric Davis in center. That's amazing. Whoever he pairs him with right now, Gorman Thomas is injured. I'm not even sure Gorman Thomas should is the guy, right? He has, he has Odebe McDowell now. He has Kevin Mitchell. Uh, no, sorry, Kevin McReynolds. Sorry, another, another Matt. It's Kevin McReynolds, who to me could start right now for half the teams or more than half the teams in the league. So, so I think his team is quite good, and I think he's going to be in the playoff hunt. But again, it's not a it's not a slam dunk because the division I think is so it's so hard, and because he's got you know a few imperfections or a few areas like like Harper, his catcher again got knocked down. Wallach still isn't you know isn't doing it at third base. So um, so I think he's good, but it's going to be uh, you know he's on the margin of the playoffs. I would say he was third in in uh, scoring last year, so he can clearly score runs and he's added um he yeah he did take some downgrades on the pitching side but he did add steve rogers who i think was maybe the best free agent signing of the offseason or i think he well let's put it this way he was i think he was the best starting pitcher available in the offseason and then he also uh he traded for wayne simpson so he's definitely um you know beefed up the rotation i think it's going to come down to three guys ron reed and simpson because they're both old reed is 42 at this point and uh, Simpson is wasn't as good last year as he's been, and he's 35. And then on the offensive side, Eric Davis. And uh, the offense looks good, but it's lacking some star power. I mean, even Tony Gwynn, great contact hitter, but that's about what he does is contact. Eric Davis is the full package. So he plays like it, and he's more like a six-door Winfield out there. Then I think the team's going to do really well. 
he's kind of a middle of the road outfielder for another year as he develops, then I think the offense may not be enough to, to get him past St. Louis or Washington or maybe even Havana. Yeah, I mean, on paper, certainly picking up C. Rogers seems like a, a you know positive move, but you know he's coming off a pretty bad season last year. I don't know that he's certainly gotten any sort of upgrades or gotten any better. And again, getting Wayne Simpson, who's also seems to be on his downhill slope as a pitcher. So a, a lot is going to rely on how well those guys can pitch. I mean, Wayne Simpson has had losing seasons the last three seasons in a row, and ERA is over five in two of those seasons. The offense does look very solid but although he's you know getting a guy straight out of the draft and, and it would be mcdowell putting him in there um so it's yeah it's gonna be interesting this is an interesting sort of mix of a team where it's like there's a lot of potential and possibility and there's also a lot of potential and possibility for for things not going right so i could definitely see them being in the in the mix but as glenn and everyone is pointing out it's it's a real tough division to do to do well in so it's it's I feel like, it, like a lot of us in that division, it's, it might be sort of like a little bit of outside looking in, um, at least this season anyways. Okay, let's move on to our number seven team, which is the Chicago Colts. Chicago is number seven. Uh, this is a team that um, hit rock bottom last year. I think they literally finished last place um, in the league. They were 62 and 100. They dropped by like 19 wins. Um, but, uh, you know, they still have a core of good offensive players. I think it was just a case of a collective slump more than anything else. Um, so, Glenn, tell us about the Chicago Colts. So, so, dude, my rating system loves Chicago because they have Yount and Mosby, because they have guys with good ratings at premium positions, even if you fill in with just average guys everywhere else. My, my system is going to say is going to rate them very highly. And so last year, I think I had Chicago fourth or fifth last year by ratings. Of course, they got wiped out by injuries, right? Forrester and Witt, I think, got injured. So so he lost a lot of guys to injury. This year, he's been hit by downgrades already. Reigns got hit by the, um, you know, lost some rating points to the to that uh, ratings earthquake. Um, Mike Witt, Mike Witt has been knocked down. So, um, yeah, so more of the story is <clears throat> I still have him rated decently just because, as I say, he has those, you know, supreme um, – as he has those supreme up the middle players and those players also give him among the best defenses in the league and that defense is going to help his pitching so so again by ratings i have him much higher up to stack but uh, we have to recognize that he's had a bunch of downgrades and ratings movement and injury you know a lot of his guys are are wrecked like forster so you know it, again I, I think he should do much better but he, he could easily um you know, stumble. I no way he gets the number one pick again. I had him coming in second after Detroit. I, I like this team. I mean, it's going to come down a lot to Teddy and Mark Gubizas, his two young starters. If they're like Witt was in his first couple of years, then I see them finishing second. If they're not, I don't know if offense and defense will be enough. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this was a playoff team last year. I was shocked by how poorly they ended up doing. Um, I think it's a playoff team this year as well. I mean, this, it's a solid starting rotation um, with, you know, again, uh, with getting downgraded a little bit and, and maybe Lemon Jailo maybe not being the greatest fifth starter. But, I mean, you know, there's there's other guys out there to pick from. And then just this lineup, I mean, other than maybe, you know, Zisk and, and Joey Davis not being the greatest hitters in the world. I mean, this is just a super solid lineup you know, almost top to bottom, top to bottom as far as hitting goes. So I think this is a team that's going to compete um, for a playoff spot for sure. I, you know, uh, it's my old team. I still love them. A lot of these players are guys I, I put on this team. So I have high hopes that, uh, that they will be competitive again and turn around from last season. It's hard to say them, see them finishing as poorly as they did last year. I think they'll definitely bounce. It's just a question of how high can they bounce? And to me, I think that the two biggest question marks are in the rotation are um you know teddy higuera number one overall pick getting thrown right into the rotation at number three was that's it's hard to tell how how well he'll do coming straight into the majors and then uh mark lemangelo who was injured uh all of pretty much all of last year um and to see if he can come back from almost a full year on the on the injured list but um, other than that yeah again the defense is solid offense is solid um Bullpen, very good. He's got uh, Doug Corbett, um, number the, the setup man is the guy I tried to trade for a number of times. Um, and uh, Forster is getting old, but he's still, you know, 24 saves last year. So definitely should be in the mix when we get to playoff time. And number six, Montreal. Montreal is uh, right in the middle of the stack pitching wise. They're right in the middle of the stack lineup wise, but they're quite high offensively. And when you put all those things together, they are around six or seven. So, you know, so there are definitely on the verge of playoff contention. They have a superb bullpen. I mean, Smith is Smith is a superb closer. I guess I should say that um, the rest of the bullpen seems pretty good, but uh uh, and starters are also good, but not great. I mean, so so really you're relying on the bullpen, the defense. He's really upgraded the offense. Uh, well, I mean, I like Chet Lemon, so I call Chet Lemon an upgrade. I call Chet Lemon a greedy bastard. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, dude. But, you know, uh, 655, you know, arguably gold glove or potential gold glove center fielders is worth a lot, so. Yeah, to me, he's in the playoff mix 100%. It's him and Manhattan in a straight knockout. That's what I would say. I have them winning their division. I like this team a lot. I mean, I, I don't know how they rated in the defensive category, but up the middle, Bump Willis, Gary Carter, Gary Templeton, Chet Lemon. I, they may be the top up the middle defense. So the corners may not be as good. Um, the up the middle is amazing. The pitchers are fairly consistent. No superstar, which may hold them back in the playoffs, but I have them winning the division. They're just too well-balanced, a lot of good defense, pretty good offense, and good pitching. I just don't see a hole. Yeah, there's just going to be a hole, um, maybe maybe for space. I mean, Kent Herbeck has never proven himself uh, on the major league level, but he also looks like he's finally sort of becoming more than becoming the prospect that people had hoped he would be. I don't ever know what to say about Montreal. I mean, they always – just I don't know what I, I never see them being a playoff team. They become they go to the playoffs. So 
I don't know. Um, I think they're, if they make the playoffs, they're going to have to beat Manhattan and be a division winner. Otherwise, they're not in the playoffs. That, that so so they did win the World Series in 82 on either side of basically 500 seasons with with the exact same roster. So it's very unpredictable in terms of how well they'll perform. And I will say that I just look, looking at their defense, I think this is the top rated defense. They're even better than Cleveland. So with that, let's move on to our top five. Number five, according to the game, is the Washington Monuments. This is uh, the, I wouldn't say surprise team of the year last year, but certainly like the team that made the biggest jump, not only making the playoffs, but getting all the way to the World Series. Uh, So Glenn, where do you have Washington? The game has them fifth and obviously second in the Gulf. Is that about where you have them or higher or lower? Uh, Yeah, by by ratings, they're fourth, LA, St. Louis, Detroit, Washington. Um, they're in the top half in defense, the top half in lineup. Interestingly, their pitching is bottom half, but I, you know, I used to decompose the pitching rating, like or I would do SPs and then, you know, SP ranking. Their SP ranking is their starters do rank in the top half. And I think you have to recognize that the guy traded for Matlack and he signed Moose. So think about last year's team. The guy made it, you know, whatever, game six of the World Series. Now he's added Moose and Matlack. If that doesn't make him a contender, I'm not saying he's a favorite, but if that doesn't make him a contender, then I, I don't know what to say. Uh, Andy Van Slyke won the MVP, and then he got an upgrade. So his team is elite. I mean, he has the most – he just has absolutely incredible offense, and his defense is also quite good. So, yeah, he's, he's going to be in the mix again. The only thing that I'm downgrading for at all or that he's subpar at all is his bullpen. I don't know if this Brad Havens dude can you now put up a one ERA again, but again, is he going to need to? You've got elite offense and elite starters. I don't think he really, it's not that big a deal. You know? I, I am second in the division behind St. Louis. Um, I agree. The offense is elite. Uh, I mean, C-Rob is finally human against lefties. So I don't know if that makes any difference, but it might. Uh, the defense is pretty good. Again, except for maybe C-Rob, he's starting to become a liability in the field up the middle, but Ripken probably makes up for that. He probably has enough range to play shortstop and second base. Um, the pitching, I think, is sort of questionable. Saberhagen is good, but Moose, I think, had one of his worst years last year, and that was with the Detroit defense behind him and Detroit offense in front of him. And then Matlack, you know, who knows how many innings you get out of that guy. And Viola, his ratings aren't great. I mean, he's, a, he's an 18, which in this league is fairly average, if not even below average at this point. And then, as you said, Brad Havens doesn't look like a, a top closer. So I think if anything holds him back, it's actually the pitching. Yeah, I think I echo what everybody is saying. I mean, I think it's the only real knock against this team is, is going to be arms either in the pen or in the rotation. Again, it's like, you know, it's like we just put the doomsday clock on Matlack and wait for his arm to blow up at some point during the season. So, you know, I think that could be a problem. And then, you know, Jay Tibbs seems like a perfectly average to below average fifth starter. So if there's any knock on the team, it's, it's that. But it, this is still a, this is still a top five team, you know, by any measure, for sure. And again, a team, if they weren't in the division with St. Louis, I think would probably win any other division in the league. Yeah, I'm going to go beyond that and say with the addition of Moose and Matlack that um, I'm going to put Wash. you know, last year we talked about the top three and then kind of everyone else, uh, you know, Detroit, LA, St. Louis. I'm going to say Washington joins that group. They're in the top four um, just because of the the additional pitching. Um, 
Pete's technically right. Bob Moose had his worst, worst year in worst season in years last year, but that was 18 and seven with a 2.97. So if that's a bad year, you know, most teams will, most teams will take it there. He does have an age issue on this team. Uh, C Rob's 36 Moose is 37. So some of these guys are getting up there. Matt Lack is 34, but his, his body's age is like 56. But I think overall he's got, uh, yeah, C Rob's a liability at second base, but uh, you know, with as much offense as his team has, uh, and with Ripken there, he's got, there's no real glaring weaknesses. You know, there's little weaknesses here and there, but again, he's got a little bit of everything. And yeah, Brad Havens was the best reliever in the league last year. I think he was a all UL team oddly because his ratings were in a six, seven, six, but you know, 1.18 ERA 37 saves, probably not going to do that well this year, but even if he's like 2.5 with like 30 saves, that's going to be enough with this offense and with the starting pitching. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think Washington's clear, far and away the favorite to win the wild card, uh, you know, the, the best uh, second place team. And then, you know, they had a great playoff run last year as well. They took out, um, again, they took out two of those top three teams to get to the World Series. So uh, definitely a team on the rise and will be fun to watch them this year. All right, let's move on to four. The game has Manhattan at number four. Glenn, you had Manhattan very close to Montreal in that Atlantic division. So tell us what makes Manhattan better than Montreal and why do you have them picking the <laughs> They're not the problem is they're not better. They're the exact, they're almost exactly the same. They're they're within like, you know, they're the the two guys by I guess it's ordinal rank right there. They they're always next to each other for pitching, for lineup, for defense, and therefore for the total. So that's why I say it's like, it's a straight knockout. So it's alphabetical because Manhattan comes before Montreal. (laughs) There you go. And even then it's neck and neck, right? No, I mean, no, I mean, I'm not sure because like on on the one hand, okay. So look at this dude, Manhattan in a sense is the best argument for expansion. Like look, look at the guy's outfield. He has two complete outfields, arguably, arguably the three outfielders that he's not starting are arguably better than the three outfielders he is starting. And then, his infield is very good. And that's not counting the fact that his second best guy, you know, after Sandberg, obviously his second best guy is Scott Fletcher, who's an absolutely superb, superb young player. He's out for half a season. So, I mean, this guy's team, I mean, in a sense, his depth is just amazing, but injuries have hurt him already. Fletcher's out, as I said, and now, and he lost little in uh, spring training. So, and for the full season. So, so that does, you know, I would say probably just those two injuries alone, the little Fletcher that probably that puts him even, or maybe a little bit behind Montreal. If, if he has those two guys in his team, um, you know, I, I think you have to say he's the favorite because his defense would be even better. Oh, so to follow up on a conversation earlier, just by ratings, you might not like the distribution on the diamond or whatever, but, but just by ratings, Manhattan has the best, spine and cleveland has the best overall and if we look at total total defense it goes cleveland chicago manhattan montreal so and manhattan and montreal are 1.7 so that's where we're at so like i say i think it's a straight knockout manhattan montreal for for the division but probably not good enough so so mickey rivers is a a 10 in center field but he only plays a half a season so does it make him a five But he's better. But Coggins, Coggins is better, right? If you add up the numbers, like by my metrics, Coggins is better. So, so his his backup is even better than he is. So, how you like that? 
So I have Montreal beating them, but I mean, obviously this, this is definitely a top five team. I think the offense comes down to how good is Rhino going to be or continue to be. And then the other big wild card is, is Castino. So he's not good in odd years. So in 81, he had a 1.7 war. Then in 82, he goes to 6.9. Then in 83, he goes back to 1.5. And then last year, he goes up to 7.1. So I don't know which guy is going to show up. Um, if he's the 7.1 guy, yeah, then I think they beat out Montreal. If he's the 1.7 guy, then I'm not sure that they do. And then Fletcher is hurt, but Royster, he picked up Royster to replace him until he gets back. So I think even when Fletcher gets back, it's it's an upgrade, but it's not a giant upgrade like you usually get when a guy of that caliber goes down. But otherwise, I mean, this is a very, very well-built team and it's deep. So I, I don't think injuries can really hurt him outside of like Rhino getting hurt. So in my mind, it comes down to Rhino, Castino, and then most of the pitchers look fairly identical. You know, they're all the high uh, movement control guys, which works with his defense. Yeah, this is the first time I'm taking actually a real look at this team. And obviously losing Lytle is, you know, it's not helpful to the pitching staff overall. Like, I find this starting rotation to be kind of like, meh. I mean, as pizza, they all kind of look like each other. I mean, maybe that works out good you know, works out well for him in, in the sort of the ballpark and the defense and everything else. But I don't find any of them to be particularly impressive. So I feel like those are, they feel like a rotation that can be beat. Um, and then, yeah, the lineup's interesting. I mean, you you say Mickey Rivers is wrecked, so he's going to play half the season. But, you know, uh, Coggins is also wrecked. So I guess he plays the other half of the season. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to, Again, we mentioned Sandberg. I think also Phil Bradley, he's his number three hitter. And, and then he's got Gerald Perry leading off. These are all guys who on paper look like they get hit really well. It's just a matter of whether or not they do hit well. Um, but yeah, I mean, on, on second glance, I mean, it initially, spoiler alert, I had them as a, a division winner, but I think Montreal actually has a chance uh, to, to beat them. So, um, and again, I think within that division and with the, the other teams that are in the league, if you don't win that division, I don't think you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, that was, that was certainly the case last year. The game, however, has uh, Washington and uh, Montreal as the wild card team. So, you know, as opposed to last year, where if actually Washington, I think from a lot of the year, had a better record than any team in the Atlantic. Um, you know, as the, as the top wildcard team, but um, yeah, I'd say the, the Mark Littell injury was a big one. He now has Roger Mason as his closer. This is a guy who's essentially a rookie at 23 innings in the bigs last year, uh, not a single major league or no, he had, sorry, he had five saves last year with a 1.90. So he saw limited action, but was pretty solid. So um, that, that may be one question mark, but um Otherwise, yeah, very solid team. It's going to be a close race between those two. It's going to be fun to watch. That was one of the only actual division races we had last year was uh, in the Atlantic because the other three were runaway, runaway races. And that brings us to our top three then, which our number three team is Detroit. Um, obviously, the two-time defending World Series champions. The game has them rated slightly worse than last year. They, let's see, their record last year was... What was it? 103 and 59. I think it was the best season ever in Detroit's history. Uh, the second hundred win season in three years. Um, they did lose Bob Moose. Um, and, uh, but other than that, most of the team is almost identical to what it's been the last three or four years. So Glenn, tell us about the Detroit Griffins. 
Well, you said that they look like they've taken a notch down. They have actually. So Detroit is still very good. I have them in the top half by pitching the third best lineup and they're just in the top half defensively. So, and if you add all those things together, they're still third by ratings total by my count, but they are vulnerable in a way that they have not been vulnerable in whatever it is, three or four seasons, the ratings earthquake absolutely i mean really crushed him ricky lost three points claudel lost two points pastori pastori went from like 588 or yeah he was either a 588 or 488 guy he's now 477 so that's two or three ratings points off one of your best starters you know castro is essentially out for the entire season so he has no closer moose he lost to free agency i mean i'm not trying to like you know, create a crisis where none exists. His team is still very good, but this is nowhere near the team that he had last year. I mean, just even though the names are the same, the ratings are not the same. So no, he's got Jimmy, so Martin, I, Jimmy Martinez is no slouch as a closer, right? That's right. But I mean, and he but, drafted but, Burke. that's right. I was going to say, so the reason he drafted Burke, so why the hell would you draft Burke? I mean, you know, again, all due respect, Burke is a good player but you're not going to draft a 21 rated reliever in the first round of a draft where there's crazy talented guys. Well, he had to, he had to because Castro is injured and you know, all of his guys are downgraded and he lost moose. So he needed pitching help. So, but yeah, right. He has how, how could start if he has to, you know, so again, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, that's it. Ding dong. The witch is dead, but I'm just telling you this team is not the same. I mean, and I think he would tell you that too. So anyway, well, he, he, won he won 103, so even if he drops 10 to 93, he's still probably going to win the division comfortably, right? I think that's exactly right. I think you've made an excellent point. I, when I get to my team, I'll tell you about my team. I think Detroit and I both have like probably lost 10 to 20 games off our record. That, that's my guess. Yeah, I'd agree with Glenn. I mean, I think that sort of losing Moose and and getting dinged on, uh, on the sort of some downgrades, I mean, it's the offense is still going to be just crazy good. I mean, this is, you know probably the best offense in the league. I mean, it's, it's, it's just going to score a lot of runs and he plays in a ballpark that's, you know, that, that plays to his sort of uh, plays to home run. So it's like, he's going to have uh, just a crazy good offense, but it, yeah, it isn't the same team. And it's, it's still a good enough team to win the division for sure. I mean, in, in that division, I think, you know, if Chicago can come up a little bit and like, he might give him a, a run for his money a little bit, but I don't think he's, they're going to get close enough to really sort of to, to, to scare Detroit at all. So I think it continues to be a division winner. It's whether or not this is, you know, a, a three P team is, is gets called into question with the sort of what's happened with the sort of pitching on this team. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see just how much they fall this year. I hope you guys are right, but, I don't know. I still see them as the best offense in the game. Uh, the defense, the overall ratings may not be great, but the up the middle is very good. Right? You still have Trammell and Hubbard up the middle and a good center fielder in Washington up the middle. So the up the middle defense is, is very nice. Um, but yeah, maybe for once, for once in the last three, four years, I, I could see a couple other teams competing with Detroit, especially in a, in a series, maybe over the season, I still see them winning 100, but in a, in a series because of their pitching, maybe they're finally vulnerable to losing the short series. Is Alan Trammell the best player in the league? Yes. Yeah. In my mind, he is. Yeah, for sure. I, good, well, maybe Gooden. Gooden and Trammell, I would say. 
Yeah, it was a shocker that he wasn't the it wasn't the MVP, but um, yeah, ten point nine WAR. That's insane, and that's on top of an eleven point three two years before that. Um, so yeah, again, I think even even I'm looking at Ricky Henderson. You know, he took yeah he took some downgrades, but if you look at his uh, if you look at his uh, profile, there's a bunch of red numbers. Every you know, league leader in stolen bases four out of the last five years, league leader in walks three of the last four league leader in runs three of the last four super durable 700 plate appearances three of the last four so even if he takes a little bit of a hit uh you know what is that his war is going to drop from 8.9 to 7.9 or something so yeah again i think uh detroit's got nothing to worry about in in the lakes division and they should be they should be right in there uh when it comes down to the uh, playoff time Okay, number two team is St. Louis. Glenn, tell us about your Maroons. So kind of like Detroit, I'm arguing like Detroit that my team is still good, but I feel like I'm significantly worse than last year. So if I won 100 games last year, I think I'm, you know, I'm in the 90-85 zone this year. And the reason why I think that's true is because my, my defense is still bad. And it, in fact, it might even be worse because now I'm starting Hojo full-time last year I, I had Cusick at second base which allowed me to play Tony Phillips at third he's a very good defensive third baseman and Burleson is short um, but uh, Cusick wanted like I don't know some ridiculous amount of money so I let him go now I'm playing Hojo a third I think Hojo is an excellent offensive third baseman but defensively really poor uh, so my yeah my defense is, is quite bad I have the second worst defensive team in the league and that's bad news because my pitching also gets worse. I lost Candelaria to a season ender and I got hit pretty hard and the ratings downgrade specifically on my pitching staff. So in my entire organization, I have only what I would consider, you know, I, I, you can start some chumps if you have to, but I, I consider six like legitimate quality starters in my entire organization. So I'm going to try a four man rotation I did that a couple times last year and I did it two years ago extensively with mixed results, but I'm going to try again. Um, and so we'll just see how it goes, but I, I believe I can score. I, I have the highest rated offense and that's no shocker. I mean, I'm the guy who does the ratings count. So of course my team scores high on the things that I think are important, but, um, but I think it's proven. I think I'm typically, or I think this team should be in the top one or two offensively, but I'm really worried about my pitching and my defense. So, so we'll see. I think Washington could easily catch me or pass me here, but but I think I should still make the playoffs. That's my take. The huge leap for you last year was from tenth uh, to second in pitching, and that was uh, like Bill Lasky was the was the big guy. Twenty game, the guy went was nine and seven the year before, and then he shot up to twenty and three. So that to me that seems like another case of like, okay, this guy was just out of his mind for one year, and there's no way he's going to be twenty and three again this year right so that's going to be one to watch uh, i mean i hope glenn's right about his team hopefully it's moved a little bit backwards um i don't know if i see it i mean the trading of strawberry was ballsy because uh, he was kind of riding the hole i'm just gonna out slug everybody and then suddenly take strawberry out of the lineup um so i guess similar to detroit like, like we said that i think the team's going to win 100 games it's just a matter of are there now enough kinks in the armor that they could lose in the playoffs? 
Yeah, I don't know. I lean a little more towards that. I don't know if this team does win 100 games this year. I mean, I'm really looking at this rotation and you know, going with four-man rotation is, is, is uh, I think, a bit of a risk. Um, again, as Tim mentioned, Bill Lasky just like pitched out of his head last, last year in 120 games, which it just doesn't seem like he has the sort of sort of ratings or the the pitch pitches to, to do that and certainly to repeat that but then you look you know above him at, at eddie figueroa's guy like you know if he, he wanted to stay healthy in the last few years he's been fairly fairly healthy and he's only won 21 games combined and like he just on paper looks like a guy who should do much better than that so if, if you know if, if ed can get back to you know his old self a little bit then i think maybe you pick up some of what lasky loses with with you know with figueroa but yeah, I mean, it's not quite the same team. I still think it's a strong enough offense to to win the division. But I think it's you know it could be one of those situations where uh, where it felt a little bit more like uh, we had only one real division race last year. I think this is a, an opportunity where there might be a second division race with Washington giving St. Louis you know, a bit of a run for their money. Uh, yeah, another thing we should note is uh, 106 wins last year. They were first overall so they got that first round by and then they were just completely destroyed in the semis by washington four games to one so um glenn what was the in the playoffs what was the the downfall of this team well i mean so i i've played two playoff seasons or two playoff series in a row okay so i'll try and do this quickly i basically believed that i did this analysis like maybe three four five years ago where I felt like pitching or power was the deficiency in the league. There was just no power anywhere. So instead of going for contact, I went for power. So that meant like I did things like I chose strawberry over AVS. That meant like I, I made trades. I traded away Lonnie Smith. Right. So if I had just done nothing, I could have had an elite contact team, but but I didn't want that. I, I went for pure power. But now what I believe is that in a short series for two seasons in a row, I just haven't hit any homers. So, and if you can't hit homers, like if I'm going to play Atlanta, right, he's going to throw at you, Martin. <laughs> Russell is not exactly the way it used to be, but he's going to throw Durker, Russell, and Martin. Those guys all have eight or nine movement. So if I can't hit homers, then I can't score. So the idea is to, I traded strawberry, not because I wanted to, but because I felt like I had to diversify away from pure power. And Dykstra eventually, eventually looks like he could be, you know, an AVS type player. He has similar ratings to AVS if he gets there. So, so that was the rationale there. So I don't know, dude, I don't know if I can win a short series. Like I said, my pitching is questionable. I think I can get there and then and we'll just yeah. see. Well, I think it was similar to Montreal winning the World Series a few years ago. You ran into uh, Washington, which is a dominant hitting team, and their pitching just got really hot. You scored zero, three, 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 and two runs in those five games, and you lost Candelaria in game one, right? So, so first that, inning of game one, dude. exactly. So that didn't, that didn't help. Oh, that broke uh, my heart. That yeah. just goes to show that in a short series, it's like there really is no formula because you're just at the whims of the baseball gods at that point of what's going to happen in in a short series. That's right. And by the way, so long as we're talking about candy, he's asking for a seven year extension, $7 million. So essentially I traded away my three elite prospects, my three best prospects for a guy that I got half a season out of. I mean, that's a disaster. So, so I've made some just really horrible trades or trades that have worked out horribly. So, you know, I got to pay the piper at some point here. 
Okay, let's move on to number one. LA is the number one pick as uh, the team that has been historically incredible uh, pitching team, number one ranked three years in a row. I think the last two seasons were two of the best pitching seasons in league history. Uh, not a lot of changes to this team um, other than in right field, maybe. And then you kind of shifted up the left side of your infield. Uh, so Pete, tell us about LA and do you expect them to win 97 games again this year or, or like St. Louis, Detroit, you see them dropping a little bit. So thankfully the other three teams in my division are rebuilding. Uh, but this team has been, I'll say a front office uh, nightmare. I mean, I haven't done well on the trade market, right? I have five starters that I'm happy with and I have three starters sitting in my bullpen and Jim Gott, Lee Smith and Ron Darling in the minors. And still I cannot trade for any more hitting. So, and that's kind of what knocked me out of the playoffs too, is similar to Glenn, I could not score. So I was scoring one to two runs a game and didn't really address that over the off season. So that's not great. Um, you know, in right field, I switched up uh, Amos Otis for Brunanski, which I actually consider an upgrade. Otis was getting older and starting to take downgrades every couple months. So I'm okay with that. But the big loss was Jerry Royster and shortstop. So I have Domingo Ramos, who's kind of the downgraded version of Royster. So he can play defense, but he doesn't hit as well. Um, then I, I had to draft uh, Mariano Duncan. So similar to Detroit, I just had a hole I had to fill. And even though I wouldn't have wanted to use a seventh pick on a shortstop that may end up being middle of the road, I needed a shortstop. So I drafted him. And third base, uh, oh, we'll see what happens with third base. I mean, I had Evans who went down, so I didn't have him for a part of the season anyway. I brought back Smalley, who was an all-star in 83. So he's not that far away from being good. Um, but yeah, the, the right side of the infield is a little bit of a mess. And you got Wally Backman, who's an eight contact, uh, who could easily move into third base. Yeah, he's my backup three third baseman. And if Smalley doesn't work out, that's that's my other option to start. And then Duncan is my other option if Domingo Ramos doesn't work out. So I've got some levers to pull. And then on the starting pitching side, I got plenty of levers to pull. Glenn, where does LA shake out in the in the ratings counts? Oh my God, dude. I mean, they're the number one pitching team by four points, which is a lot when you consider there's only seven, you know, seven guys you're counting. So, so he has the number one pitching, the number two offense and the number like six. Yeah. We just mentioned, right. We talked about earlier, like the five elite defensive teams or sorry, the four elite defensive teams: Chicago, Cleveland, Manhattan, and Montreal. Well, guess what? LA is fifth. So I mean, the guy is like super strong in every dimension and therefore, you know, the best team, I think, by a mile. Um, I, I don't see, I think it was a genius move, frankly, that the Brunanski, I think I tried to trade for him from you like a couple years in a row now. So I, I think that guy's really quite good and that's going to help. So I think he'll score. I mean, and again, like you said, oh, you still have options. I mean, arguably Mariano Duncan is going to be, I think not arguably, I think he is probably a better offensive player. And you know, uh, maybe Backman too. So, so I think you've got you got upgrade potential there too. So, and your bullpen is, if not the best bullpen in the league, I yeah, I think it is the best bullpen in the league. So, there's a lot to be said for that. So yeah, I think I think it's LA's year because I, I see everyone else, you know, or at least Detroit and St. Louis in my eyes are, are retreating a little bit. 
And I think LA again, he's either stayed the same or he's gotten a little bit better with the, you know, with the Bruno move. Yeah, I don't think there's many knocks on this team. I mean, again, you, you pointed out Smalley and, and Ramos. I think those are pretty much the only way to knock this team at all. So, I mean, this is just such a super solid team on both on both sides of the ball. I just don't see not only them, certainly not, you know, I don't see them not winning their division. But, I mean, I think this is, yeah, this as Glenn mentioned, it's, this might be the year for LA finally. Yeah, I'm looking back to see how uh, by how many games they won the division last year. They won the they won the West by 29 games last year. So San Francisco and Denver were 29 back, and Seattle was 30 back. So it was literally LA and then everyone else. And the game this year has LA winning the division by again 29 games. So that was, I think, by far the the biggest margin last year. And it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt that you're playing in the weakest division. But again, it's a balanced schedule until those last 12 games. So that's not a knock on this team by by any means that they're in the weak division because you know they they still have to uh, they're still Detroit, they're still St. Louis, they're still Washington. Um, but again, this is a dominant pitching team that has, um, you know, failed in the playoffs now a couple of years in a row. So it kind of, and, and we've had dominant hitting teams failing in the playoffs as well. So I think that just, again, speaks to like, there's no magic formula. You just got to, you, you just got to get one of those six spots and then hope that you're healthy, hope that you're, you're not slumping and a couple of guys get hot and um, that's what it comes down to. So that's a good segue to let's go around. And so we've pretty much covered the division winners. Um, I think the consensus is around LA, Detroit and St. Louis. And then there was some debate over it would be Manhattan or Montreal in that Atlantic division. So let's go ahead and pick our two playoff or two world series teams and world series champions. Let's Lance, what do you think are the two world series teams and, and who's going to walk away with the trophy this year? I'll definitely throw LA in there just based on what we've gone over of these two te- of these uh, teams. Um, I just think that they just have enough skills on both sides of the ball to make their way into the into the World Series. And um, let's say they face Washington. I'll say Washington, even though I think Washington will be again a, a wild card team as opposed to necessarily winning the division. I think they have an opportunity, a possibility of winning the division. But I'll say uh, L.A. and Washington and um, just to uh, keep up the acrimony with Pete, I'll say L.A. finds a way to lose and Washington wins the World Series. (laughs) All right, Pete, what do you got? World Series. I think it will be Detroit and L.A. I think Detroit is still a little bit better. So I think they're going to end up taking another one. All right, Glenn. I mean, L.A. for sure. Right. It's, it's LA and one of five other teams. I mean, LA for sure. And I, I, I think I can go with that. I'm very sympathetic to what, uh, to what Lance is saying. I could see Washington. I mean, again, just look at their team and how close they were. And now you're adding, you're adding Moose and Matlag plus ABS got upgraded. I mean, to me and his other guys are going to get upgraded because they're young. Right. So I think he's actually getting better. I think he could pit me for the division. My ratings total has been extremely good at calling the top and the bottom. So that would argue for me winning the division. But um, but as you said, he is fourth and he's not very far behind. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he wins a division and uh, gets to the series. But I, I'll pick LA all day. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, uh, let's see. I'm going to say Detroit's run ends this year just because it is so hard to have consistent success in the playoffs. And now that we've added that 
extra round. Um, it, it's an opportunity, you know, not that Detroit plays the extra round because they're clearly probably going to get the first round by, but it gives an opportunity for those wildcard teams to get hot. And, you know, that ex that sometimes that week off um, plays to the advantage of the team that keeps playing as opposed to the team that has the bye. I think that's maybe what we saw with Washington. They got hot towards the end of the year and they just stayed hot into the playoffs. So I'm going to say Detroit's run comes to an end. You know what? Let's go. I'm going to say Montreal and LA. And yeah, I have to go with LA because they just have just so much pitching depth. I just, I just don't see, uh, don't see them losing if once they get to that, that, that point. All right. Do we have any final, any final predictions, rookie of the year prediction perhaps, or, or does anyone want to add any final thoughts? I don't have a rookie of the year prediction, but I think the, the draft was not as weak as everyone anticipated. So I think the first, I don't remember, 20, 25 picks were fairly good. There was no good in, you know, there was no Wade Boggs. So there wasn't really a clear one, two, three, maybe. And kind of the one, two, three really surprised me. I thought Conseco and Dijkstra would be up there with, with uh, uh, Teddy for as the first three picks. But I didn't think that the draft was as bad as people predicted it to be. So we'll see if uh, 86 is as good as people predict it to be. Yeah, I got nothing. You have no thoughts on the draft, Lance? Well, I mean, we're talking about the draft. I mean, like, I'm happy with how the draft turned out, honestly. Like, from having no picks, the trading my way into the draft and picking 17 and 31 and getting two pitchers who are top 20 pitching prospects. I mean, you know, McCaskill's ranked 10th. Guzman is ranked 18th. Like, I'm thrilled with that. Um, like, you know, how they actually turn out is is – will be you know it's to be to be determined like pretty much any 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 rookie is but um like i'm thrilled with how it turned out i thought it was going to be a crap shoot i thought honestly you had no idea who was going to pick who where and i think that's kind of how it turned out and i think that may have played to my favor to get mccaskill and you know with, with a number 17 pick but you know um I, I'm, I'm sort of with Pete. I don't think it was as bad or as like, it just was like, I think it's not that it was bad. It's that there's like so many guys had, had so much developing to do that like it scares people to draft them high. Right. Um, so it made it like a real uh, crapshoot of draft. And, and I don't think next year is going to look like that, but I think it also made it fun because you honestly just could not predict who was going to do what with their picks, which like made it sort of enjoyable to, 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 to participate in and to watch. <laughs> No, no, I was getting, you know, there were guys dropping late into the second round that could have easily gone in the first round, right? Uh, even the guy I got, Bill Swift at 14, he arguably could have gone in the top five or, you know, so it was, it, I felt like it was, there were about 25 or 30 really like good players. But again, like Pete said, no, no great players. But so who won the draft? Was it Boston? Like Boston got Galarraga, Galarraga, Canseco, Noakes. Uh, with the first three picks, did did Boston do the best, or is that is that hard to judge again because of you know the the, the context and you know what gaps are filling? Arguably, Detroit did very well by getting Burke, the one player that they needed. Any thoughts on who actually did the best in the draft? Remind me who Seattle got. I well, I got a bunch of guys. Well. So they got Aguilera, Paul O'Neill, and Ozzie Guillen in the first round. That was very good. And then Dan yeah. Pasqua and Mark Knud Mark Knudsen in the second round. That's pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Ozzy Gann is my guess for uh, rookie of the year, frankly. You know, I, I was beat between Gian and, and Duncan. 
when I was picking. Yeah. And if I kept the number three pick, I was picking one of those two anyway, just kind of why I traded down. I figured one of the two will fall to number seven and then nobody picked either one. So it didn't help my decision. <laughs> I ended up picking, I mean, I ended up picking Duncan because he looked like Tony Fernandez basically does today, who I drafted a few years back. So I was like, all right, I picked this guy once at I think number two or three. So I'll pick the same guy again at number seven. Yeah. I'll just point out two more teams that did, I think did really well. San Francisco getting Dykstra at number four. I don't think I don't think many people had Dykstra dropping to four. And then he got Devon White at 18. Again, I got swooped there. Um, I was hoping to get Devon White at 19, which I thought would have been a tremendous. So he gets two center fielders um, in with four and 18, one who can basically play pretty close. And then Devon White has some development. And the other team I'll call out is Brooklyn. I think they did quite well. They had three first round picks. They got Mike Greenwell, Sean Dunstan, and Randy Myers. So a slugging left fielder, a, a slugging shortstop, with, I guess, average-ish defense. And then Randy Myers, kind of an elite uh, elite reliever. So Brooklyn certainly did well for themselves, um, also as a playoff contender. Um, so that's it. It looks like we're out of time. So until next time, here's to fake baseball. Will you walk-